Welcome everybody this morning. My name is Bates, so wherever you're tuning in from, and if you're in your small groups, I hope it's been a great morning so far, and I really hope that this word, that the sermon, will be a blessing in your group this morning. I'm going to start off with a little bit of prayer, and then we'll get right into it. Thank you, Father, that you love us, and that you're with us, and that your word is alive and real. I pray that it would come and speak right into our lives this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we are going to be looking at what I've called the Disciples' Prayer in our series on prayer, faith, and cynicism, and this is part five. Before I get into it, I just want to say a huge thank you from Jen and myself for all the messages of encouragement that you guys have sent through to us uh, post the announcement two weeks ago that I'm going to be stepping off One Hope staff and uh, finding another job. Uh, Just for clarity, uh, I do want to say that we are going to be fully involved still in the life of One Hope, even though I won't be working on staff. Uh, We're going to be on leadership and eldership and serving wherever we can, uh, and we're just really excited uh, for this next season that God has lined up for us. As we start out, I want to give a big shout out to Johannes and Paul, who've just been so faithful in expounding the scriptures for us uh, the past two weeks as we've been diving into this series. And we really do value the word highly in one hope. So this is just beautiful to be able to unpack it together as a community and see what God wants to say to us and how he wants to lead us and instruct us through his words. So just so grateful for that. And then also really grateful for sermon series, how we can take the same topic and just hit it from many different angles and kind of get it into us. You know, it kind of feels by week four or five, we're kind of starting to get it and we're starting to believe it and starting to, to live in it. And so I'm just so grateful for sermon series in the same breath. We're in part six this morning in our series on prayer, faith, and cynicism. And if you're tuning in for the first time, I want to give a quick uh, recap of what we've covered in the series so far. We started out by uh, learning that prayer in and of itself is an act of faith. And then we can come with confidence before God in prayer because He fully sympathizes with us in our weaknesses and He is able to carry our burdens fully because He's fully God. And then we, uh, we looked at the fact that prayer is the great vaccine to the great problem of anxiety and how it comes and brings help and healing in that space. And then we moved over to how the Holy Spirit prays for us and perfectly in line with God's will on our behalf, how he brings our requests before the Father and even uses suffering in our lives to come and refine us and make us more like him. And then last week we looked at, well, why don't we pray? And the main reason being actually unbelief or a lack of faith. This week we're going to jump right into the how-to space, answering the question, okay, so how then should we pray? Now, I don't know about you, but I often find myself uh, coming to a space, maybe it's in my room, I close the door and I, and I want to pray, or walking to a coffee shop, or sitting studying at a desk, uh, or yeah, and even when I'm just feeling quite a bit down, or feeling a bit mad, or, or stoked, or excited, I often find myself kind of just hitting a blank when it comes to prayer, not quite sure what to pray, even sometimes feeling a bit confused in what to pray. And so this morning, we're wanting to come and give ourselves helpful handles from the scriptures on what does it look like to pray? How then should we pray? What does the actual act of prayer look like? And so that's what we're going to tackle this morning. I'm very grateful to my oldest brother who led me to faith uh, in Jesus at the age of 15. And he then taught me how to pray. He showed me how to pray. He modeled prayer to me. And I'm so grateful for that. And that was such a great kickstart in my prayer life. And there's been many other men and women around me over the years who I've had the privilege of praying with. And I've just been encouraged by them and taught more and more and exposed to and modeled uh, on how to pray and what prayer 
looks like. Now, the wonderful thing is whether we've had those experiences or not, we have someone even better than that who's shown us how to pray, who's given us an example and a model in the scriptures on how to pray. The best person who ever lived and the best prayer who ever lived, Jesus. He has given us this wonderful model and example. So let's have a look at a Bible passage this morning. It's from the Gospel of Matthew, which is one of the narratives of Jesus' life here on earth. And we find ourselves in this narrative right in the middle of the best sermon that was ever preached, uh, preached by Jesus, known as the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus is preaching. He's literally standing on, on a hillside, preaching to a bunch of people who've been following him, observing him, learning from him, uh, uh, amazed by him. And he's preaching to them. They've also seen him pray. They've seen him pray in private, especially his closest disciples at that time. They've seen him go away to pray in private. They've seen him praying in groups and heard him praying. And they come with this question to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. And this is what he taught them. And we turn uh, to Matthew chapter 6 in this moment. Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. This is what he taught them from verse 9. Pray like this. Well, that's a good indicator. This is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This is often called the Lord's Prayer, or in some traditions it's called the, the Our Father. You may know it as that, but I think more helpfully it should be called the Disciples' Prayer. Because this is Jesus giving us a prayer to pray and teaching us, the disciples, the followers, those ones then and even now, us how to pray. If you're anything like me, you would have heard this prayer and maybe even prayed this prayer many, many times. It may be so familiar to you that you, you can literally recite it, wrote from memory. It's a well-known prayer and for very good reason. And we're going to unpack a bit more of that later. Can we take a moment now and pause as our groups and I want you to answer this question together. What do you think and feel about this prayer? If you've been around church or basically any Christian type thing for any period of time, you would have literally heard this prayer prayed thousands of times. And more than likely, you know it wrote off by heart. So it's a very familiar prayer. And we know that's the trouble with familiar things. They become familiar, which means we stop almost seeing them. We stop realizing their power and their beauty and their value. I'm always reminded in Stellenbosch as I look at these incredible mountains, I often, often don't even see them when I look at them, because but they are just so majestic. I just stop for a moment and look at them again, just bit by bit. And in the different days, light of the day, they are just so majestic. You know, you know something really familiar to us all? Our toothbrush. <laughs> and you know what? We forget its value in our lives and how amazing it is for us. And we, we realize if you just stop brushing your teeth for a few months, you're going to realize the power and the value of a toothbrush, right? And so that's the problem with familiarity is that we stop realizing, we stop appreciating, enjoying the beauty of a thing, the power of a thing, the value of a thing. And that's happened, unfortunately, in many of our hearts and lives and minds with the Lord's Prayer. And so I'm hoping this morning we can break that open again. It's become familiar to us, this prayer, but I'm hoping that as we take it, this one kind of concept and thing that we might have put aside and seen it kind of as just boring and there and dry and perhaps even a bit dull and rote, and just take that thing and put it in front of us and break it down bit by bit, piece by piece, 
It'll be rejuvenated in us, refreshed in us. We'll realize again its power and its beauty. Then we'll hopefully get a fresh perspective on it. Uh, I know when I was in high school, a guy came and preached to us and he preached on the sermon and he did that and it just came alive to me. I was like, wow, this thing is awesome. This is amazing. I see it's Jesus who's teaching us and modeling to us how to pray. Man, it is awesome. And so I'm really hoping this morning some of that will come alive in each of us, that this will really be like a, this prayer, this Lord's prayer, this disciple's prayer will be like a lifeline of prayer for each of us in every season of life that we journey through. And so for this morning, what I'm wanting to do is just walk through the the prayer line by line and unpacking it a little bit. Uh, And then I want to pray that prayer out loud this morning, line by line again, just uh, kind of praying a bit around each line. And then I'm going to hand it over to you guys and your groups to get into smaller groups and pray through this prayer line by line as we learn from Jesus, the master of prayer himself, how we should pray. So as we start unpacking uh, this scripture, this prayer, I just want to acknowledge up front that there is so much to this prayer. It is rich and deep and glorious. And we wouldn't even do it justice in a six-week sermon series expounding it. Now we just got one sermon. With that being said, I'm going to focus on this prayer being a guide for us in prayer, a how-to, how we can use it in our everyday practical prayer lives when we're weak and we don't know what to pray. Uh, The Spirit can help us and empower us and we can use this prayer as a model to uh, guide our prayer lives. Uh, Two quick comments before we get going. This prayer is not a command. It's this kind of wonderful invitation that Jesus gives to each one of us. Come and pray with me. Come and pray like me. It's an invitation right into his incredible prayer life. And then secondly, and really importantly, uh, because we often get this wrong, the order of this prayer is crucial. Not even just the order, but the content, line by line, is absolutely intentional and crucial that Jesus has put in there. Do you know why? Because we often pray in the reverse order. You know, we start with a, uh, God, protect me from what's going on around me. I'm such a terrible sinner. Please forgive me, Father, uh, for what I've done. And then we come to the, and give me strength, give me, help me, I, I, I'm in this situation, help me get out of it because it's causing, causing me to sin, God. I just want to do your will, please, would your will be done in my life so that others would come to know you, God, and, and also you're awesome. <laughs> you see how that's the reverse order? Wonderful prayers, but just in the reverse order. And Jesus is coming to correct the order of our prayers because that's crucial as we come to the Father and we get perspective and we put Him up top and him first. And you'll see in how this prayer is written, it's written like that. It starts with the first two lines just looking at God. And then it comes with the next three verses and looking how God intersects in our lives. And so let's start out in verse 9. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. He's our Father. He cares. In heaven, He's capable. May your name be kept holy. He is glorious, majestic, completely other, set apart. Not like our earthly dads, not like our earthly anyone. He's Father, our Father in heaven. You know, no other major faith tradition calls God Father except Christianity because He's personal. He cares. He's loving. He's for us. He's good. He's perfect. He's our Father in heaven. He's not limited like our earthly fathers. And then we move on to the first part of uh, verse 10. May your kingdom come soon. What is God's kingdom? 
It's the reign of Christ the King in the hearts of his kingdom people. That's where God's kingdom is. And so how does his kingdom extend? It extends when Jesus becomes king in more and more people's lives. When people become followers of Jesus, God's kingdom is extending. And then when they live more and more in line with his kingdom way, his kingdom is extending and growing and expanding in each life. And so what are we praying here? We're praying, God, may your kingdom come into more and more lives of those who don't yet follow you. And God, may your kingdom come more and more in your church that it would be lived out and experienced deeper and more in every life. And God, may your kingdom come when you return again, Jesus, to make all things new and all things right and usher in the new heavens and the new earth. Oh, Jesus, as Paul prays so often, come quickly, come soon. And then we move on to the second part of verse 10. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what does God's will mean here? It means his revealed will, what we see in the Bible. And this is the prayer. God, may we live more in obedience to your will. The prayer here is, God, may we know your will more. May we believe your will more and may we obey your will more. That's what we're praying for. Because when that happens, when God's will is being obeyed, it's best for everyone. For those who follow him and even those who don't. When his will is being experienced here on earth as it is in heaven, it's perfectly experienced and lived out his will in heaven. As we experience tastes of that on earth, it's beautiful. It's glorious. It's what we were made for and it's best for all of us. And so that's what we're praying here. God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I just want to make a note here. Have you noted, and you'll see in the next three verses as well, how this is such communal language, this prayer. It's a us prayer. Not just a me prayer. I think we make it like that in our Western world and even in just our selfish lives. This is a us prayer. It's a Jesus, us, and me kind of prayer. And note the language as we go along. It's not just for our good, but for everyone's good as we pray these prayers. And it changes how we even pray this. God, not just... Come and meet my need. Come and help me in this way. Oh God, I need. But God, come and help us. Come and move in that person's life. Come and do this over there, Lord God. We want to all benefit from you and what you do in lives. And so verse 11, give us today the food we need. And you see how this focuses on our physical needs, on our needs, not our wants. And I think some of us have been misled to kind of pray our wants before God. And he said, no, no, he's saying pray for your needs because what we need is what is truly going to be good for us. And God only gives us what is good for us, for our good and for his glory. And so he's praying here, meet our physical needs. And do you realize how this also implies that God is limitless? He can, he's got new and fresh mercies and provision for us every single day for our daily needs. He's a limitless father. He is glorious. So God, give us today our daily bread, as it says in one of the other translations, or give us today the food we need. And as God does that, it's for our good, it's for his glory, and it's for others' benefit. And then on to verse 12, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, this is not a request for God to come and make us right with him again. It's not a request, oh God, I've sinned and now removed from you and if I die now, I'm going to go to hell and God, please help me, forgive me again. No, it's not that kind of prayer. It's a prayer for a restoration of fellowship, of friendship, of relationship with God because sin hinders that. 
And we know that in our lives and our experiences with our friends and family around us, when we sin against one another, it hinders our relationship. And so we need to ask and we need to be willing to give forgiveness so that relationship can be restored again. And so that's what this prayer is praying. Forgive me, Father, because my sin hinders our relationship. I've been made right with you because of your death and resurrection on the cross. You've forgiven my sins, past, present, and future. But God, there's sin in my life and it's hindering our relationship now. Forgive me. I want to be restored to fellowship, to relationship with you. And as we experience that, as we taste that, this incredible, freely given forgiveness, out of the gratitude in our hearts for what God has done for us, we should freely forgive others. And we need God's help with that, right? We're not often very good with that. We need God's help. But because of His great forgiveness, we can give a far lesser forgiveness to those who have sinned against us. And so that's what this line is praying. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then on to verse 13. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And so I would say the order of these two phrases are a little bit unhelpful in us understanding the meaning of this text. If you flip them the other way and you read it like this, Lord, rescue us from the evil one in order that we may not be led into temptation. It's a better understanding because we know God can't tempt us. He doesn't tempt us. That's what the scriptures teach us. The evil one tempts us. And so we need God's protection from the evil one that we may, may not be led into temptation. Not to say that God doesn't allow trials and struggles in our lives. He does, and He uses them to refine us and grow us. We are able to, as Christ followers, by His strength, count them as all joy, every single trial that we face. But here, it's saying, God, protect us. The powers of the evil one are so rife in our world. We need protection. We live in a dark, broken, sinful world. The devil is powerful, but God is more powerful. He has won the victory. He is our strength and our defender. And so we pray. God, protect us from the evil one that we may not be led into temptation. And then we pray for yours is the kingdom, God, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What a glorious prayer. When we wonder what should we pray, when we sit there hitting blanks, we're not sure, we feel unsure, what a wonderful prayer that we can return to, that we can use Jesus' example of prayer for us. His model, he's saying, pray like this. People are asking him, his disciples, how do we pray? He says, pray like this. And he says to you and he says to me today, pray like this every single day. Pray like this, our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy and on and on. Thank you, Jesus, for this incredible example of prayer. And my challenge to you, my challenge to myself this week, is pray this prayer line by line every single day. Once a day or more, but pray this prayer every single day and see what the Lord does in your life and see what He does through your life. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray through this prayer uh, line by line. Uh, and then we're going to transition over to your groups and you're going to break into smaller groups of threes and fours and also pray through this prayer line by line in your groups. And then you'll close your morning by sharing communion together. Verse 9, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Oh God, you are my Father. You are so good and glorious and perfect. You care for me. You care for us. 
you are our Father. You are not limited. You are limitless. You are Father in heaven. You are capable of all things. There is no lack in you. You are the source of everything, of all life and goodness and godliness. You are our Father in heaven and you are far above all else. You are worthy of all honor and praise and glory and adoration. You are worthy of my whole life, God. You are my Father. Thank you. And you're not just mine, but you're ours. You're our Father and I'm part of your family. I'm your child, your son, your daughter. God, this is incredible. Too awesome to even comprehend. May your kingdom come soon. Oh Jesus, I long and we long for your return as we live in this broken and destroyed world. I even just think of the sin in my own life, the sin in those around me, the brokenness we experience, the poverty and the pain. Oh, come quickly, Jesus. Bring your kingdom into its full fulfillment. Uh, bring in your new heavens and your new earth. And while we wait, God, would your kingdom come into more and more lives in this earth? I think of my friends who don't know you and follow you. Come and move and break in their lives, God, that you would be their king. You are the good and perfect king, that they'd not be ruled and reigned by the king that is Satan that brings death and destruction, but they'd be ruled by you, the good and gracious and kind and loving king. And would your kingdom ways, your kingdom life be lived out more and more in and through your church and our church, one hope, Lord Jesus. Would we walk in line with your will? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, in heaven, your will is done perfectly and it's glorious. Lord, would we see your will fulfilled, known, believed and obeyed more and more in lives and through lives, God, that we would experience a taste of your beautiful kingdom presence, of your will being done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, I can't even comprehend how glorious that is to be part of and to observe and to know your will be done, Lord God. And give us today our food, God. I think even for myself personally, I pray, God, that you'd provide just the right job for me in this season and for our family that we could provide. But God, as COVID has just thrown our whole world into a spin, God, would you provide for your children? Would you provide for our family? As needs come up, God, would you provide perfectly in every scenario as you do, limitless as you are, full of resources, God. You own the cows on a thousand hills. You are not limited, God. Would you provide for your people and grow our faith as we trust you to provide and forgive us our sins, Lord, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lord, I think of my own sin and Lord, how I just, I so desire to only do your will, Father, yet I fall short. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. I don't want to be hindered by my sin. I don't want to be full of shame and guilt. And so I just surrender it to you. Thank you for your forgiveness. That you died at the cross of Calvary from when you rose again three days later so that I can have life in you and forgiveness from sins forever, God. And as I continue to sin, that you just forgive me and you restore relationship. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help me to forgive others, God, those who let me down those who say all sorts of things, God, those who sin against me, and God, help us to forgive others also freely as you have freely forgiven us, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, protect me from the ways of the evil one, from the lies of the evil one, from distraction from the evil one. Protect me, Lord God. I know he is so active and at work in this world, yet you are more powerful. You have overcome. You have won the, won the victory. Protect me. Protect our church, Jesus. I think of a few friends who are just struggling this time. God, protect them from temptation, 
from the ways and the works of the evil one come and be uh, just powerful in and through our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, yours is the kingdom, Lord, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What an incredible prayer. Just imagine we prayed this prayer daily. Imagine each of us even coming together, praying this prayer daily. Imagine as the Lord's will is just unfolding through our lives as we pray in line with His will. Imagine what we'll see as He responds to our prayers. Our prayers prayed in faith in line with His word. Wow, it's just so exciting. Would it be a people who pray this prayer frequently, line by line, in line with God's wonderful and perfect will? Now it's your guys' turn. Would you in your Sunday groups break up into threes and fours and pray this prayer together line by line? and then enjoy communion together. It's been awesome being together with you guys this morning. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope that God has spoken and blessed you. Uh, Join us again next week. Paulo is going to be unpacking more from the scriptures on how to pray. God bless you and have a wonderful week.